That's a great movie. Um, I know what you're thinking, maybe. Uh, how does this relate to the Bible and, and Scripture? Um, but um, when we're looking at that, um, I'm not sure that Gru um, really had the best interest in mind of the girls um, with those rules. I don't know. What do you think? Um, the rules were full of um, kind of you know, duty and not any care and protection for them while they lived with him. Um, the bottom line was that these rules um, didn't really bring, I don't think, the girls life. So if you wouldn't mind, turn your Bibles to Matthew 12. Um, in this passage, we have a, uh, a situation um, where the Pharisees, who in Jesus' day were the ultimate rule makers and keepers, and uh, they had created this list of rules, I mean, lots of rules, um, but they, they tended to miss the original intent of God's law and his uh, protection. Uh, they created an elaborate system of rules so that you wouldn't break the Mosaic law, right? Um, and they even elevated this system of rules to the level of Scripture so that if you broke the, their rules, it was like breaking God's law um, in, in really the sense, the same weight to it. Um, one of those laws, um, the one that we're talking about this morning, was the Sabbath day. And God um, said at creation... Um, of, the, of the world, that we should work for six days, right, and then on the seventh day that we should rest. And that's a good law. Um, we get to work and then we get to rest. The problem, as you see, is um, about what's um, we're in what we're about to read, is the Pharisees ma made many rules, um, trying to protect God's people from breaking that rule. And, um, and really, at the, at the end of the day, they missed the point. Uh, they missed the gift of the Sabbath. You see, they had some rules. Um, one of the rules was about how many steps you could take on the Sabbath day before it counted as work, right? They even had it like where um, you can't make too complicated of a knot that you couldn't untie with just one hand because if you had to untie it with two hands, then it made it work, right? Or if your house is on fire, you can't carry your clothes out because that would be work. But you can wear clothes so you can put a whole bunch on and then try and get out of the house with your clothes. I mean, it's... It got to the point that was kind of, you know, for us, we're, we're seeing it as, you know, a little bit uh, ridiculous. But it was their attempt um, to keep the letter of the law, but they failed to keep really the spirit of it. And they focused on the external keeping of the law, and they, and they ended up missing the heart. They missed the gift, and ultimately they missed the, the giver of that gift, Jesus, who is Lord and Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, we too can kind of miss that gift and, and tend to not enter into Jesus' rest, uh, the, the gift that God has given us. And in our increasingly busy lives, we can quickly miss that. If you wouldn't mind um, reading with me from Matthew 12, uh, starting in verse 1. At that time, <clears throat> Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? He entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor those who are with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath? And are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. 
for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray now that it would transform our hearts, our minds today. Help us to know more of you this morning. You truly are making all things new. Help our restless hearts to to rest, to rest in you, even this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Many, many books have been written on the Sabbath. I am not attempting to go through all of what it means uh, to obey or to live out the Sabbath rest. But I'm focusing today really on the rest and what that means. Jesus, um, in this passage, I think, restores what true rest in him looks like. And we are invited to rest in him. So that idea, like I said earlier, started at the beginning of the Bible and with uh, creation of the world. God worked for six days, and on the seventh, he stopped, and he enjoyed his creation. And it's, it was really so important that he actually made it one of the Ten Commandments. Remember, in Exodus 20, it says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. You see, Israel had a problem. They had a problem of forgetting God's law, and they had a forgo- um, and forgetting God, and so they tended to keep on breaking the Sabbath and kind of moving away from Him. And so, what they tried to do is, in correcting that problem, they actually instead of you know forgetting God and all that side, they stepped into the other side of the problem and made a whole bunch of rules about it, trying to protect them and and, and created a place where they wouldn't break that law, and they ended up in what's called legalism. Well, you see, Jesus is coming to restore that, and he came back to the practice that really dated back to the beginning, back to creation of time, and what does it look like to have that true Sabbath rest. Here in Matthew, um, we have the answers to four questions, Um, and here's the four questions. Who are invited to rest in Jesus? Why rest in Jesus? How do we rest in Jesus? And when can we rest in Jesus? These are the four questions that, that, that Matthew answers today. And we'll start with, who are invited to rest in Jesus? In the few verses right before the ones that we read, it's in Matthew 11. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you, but I could, I, that's a sermon right there. Just those verses, to sit in that and to hear Jesus say, come unto me, all you who are weary. Uh, this is, um, these verses help set the context for what we're looking at. I mean, is there anyone else here that's tired this morning? Anyone else that has a few burdens? I mean, anyone else sleeping yet? Um, but as far as, <laughs> not yet, good. A few of you caught that. Um, my children aren't, aren't in here. They'll probably fall asleep next service. But, um, but Jesus is offering rest to all who need it. The gospel, you see, is freeing. And when Jesus came, he did not come to load us up with more things to do, more um, you ought to do, you should do, uh, you must do. He actually came to give us rest and rest for our souls. I don't know what kind of burden that you have or that you're dealing with, but I do know that, and the longer that I've been a pastor, 
that we all have battles that we're facing. And a lot of them are secret battles that we haven't shared with very many people. But our battles and our burdens, they're real. Um, this week we grieved with the, the Murphy family. We are a grieving church. And we can cast our burdens onto our Savior, onto Jesus. Over this last year, um, my family and I um, walked through many challenges. Uh, we had a, j- a job change. We moved here. Um, we gave up um, our, a beloved pet. Um, our trusty van died. Um, we had pipes burst, um, leaky roof. I mean, it just kind of went on and on, right? We had actually many tears, and we had many sleepless nights. And God didn't, certainly didn't just take all of those away from us, right? But this, this verse became more and more real to us when it said, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And that invitation was one that, that we wanted to accept. So what keeps you up at night? What deadlines are on your minds or what bills right now are you, you know, thinking about? Um, tests or quizzes? I don't know. If you have health issues, a troubled friendship, I don't know, a lonely marriage. There's even just active children, right, can, can make you <laughs> weary and, and, and can provide. I, uh, maybe not for you. For me, it can. Um, but Jesus didn't um, promise to alleviate that just straight out. But he did promise and does promise to give you rest. And that gospel is freeing, is it not? Jesus um, says, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So who should rest in Jesus? Well, all of us, right? Because we all have that. The next is, why should we rest in Jesus? Well, because he gave us the gift of the Sabbath. It's a gift to you and to me. If you look in Mark's account of the same story... Uh, the New Living Translation puts, the, puts it like this. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Let me read that again. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. You see, Jesus here needs to restore the gift that the Father has given the people. It's a gift. And the way that the Pharisees were doing it was loading it down to making it not necessarily a gift anymore. And this gift is light. It's not heavy. It's not the burden. If you look at verse 1, and this is how Jesus approaches it. At the time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. The Pharisees loaded down the people with these kind of rules and um, what they could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. They actually here were trying to trap Jesus. They were saying, look, look what your disciples are doing. They're going into the grain fields and, and picking grain and, and eating it. And I would have thought that they would have been busted for stealing. I mean, that to me sounds like stealing. Just going around and, and stopping at somebody's field and you just grab some of their grain and eat, you know. And so I thought the Pharisees would be like, hey, you're stealing. But actually, that, that, they had a tradition, <clears throat> and actually commanded to, leave the edges of the field open for the poor and open for people that were traveling. They were allowed to do this. So that wasn't the issue that, they were get, that the Pharisees were, were getting at. They were not being accused of stealing. In fact, they were, they were accused of breaking the Sabbath day because they were, when they picked the grain, what would they have to do? Well, they had to separate the grain from the chaff, and then they were eating it, and they were working on the Sabbath. And that's what the Pharisees were, 
we're mad about. To us, that just sounds, you know, ridiculous, right? But, um, but, but the rules here at this time were ruining the gift. You see, Jesus, but Jesus, how does he counteract that? Well, he brings them to, he brings them to Scripture, and, he's, and he counters it with Scripture. And he says to them um, in verse 13, he reminds them of David. Hey, remember David? In verse 3 he says, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, um, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. So that bread was reserved only for the priests. And this is a time that David, he was, I don't know if you remember, but David was running from King Saul. King Saul wanted to kill him. And he's running and him and his men were hungry. So they went into and asked the priest, do you have any food? And he's like, this is all we have is this bread. And the priest gave it to him. That is, you know, that is not for them. That is breaking the law. But Jesus brings up this example to them to help demonstrate that, you know what, it's not so much about that. It was about that, um, that the Sabbath was made for man, right? And in people in need, God's anointed, God's purposes were being fulfilled through David. And Jesus says, remember, look, he wasn't condemned. The priests weren't condemned for feeding um, David on the Sabbath day. And then Jesus brings up another example from the Old Testament as well. And he says, hey, look to the priests. Have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Again, the, the priests working on the Sabbath day is technically, it's work. So for, for me working today with our worship team, I mean, that's what he's kind of saying. Like, hey, that's work. And are the, are the priests, are they condemned for working on the Sabbath? No, they're not condemned for that. In fact, they're commanded to work on the Sabbath, to serve God's people, to care for them. And that helps prove and demonstrate that the Sabbath was a gift to the people and not so much just requirements that they needed to do. So that gift, the gift of it is light, but it also, it, it does bring life. Um, you see, the Sabbath was made for man, like we said, and not man for the Sabbath. Jesus has come that we might have life. And have it to the full. The law is then therefore for our benefit. The good rules that care for us. You see in the movie clip that we showed. Gru was not setting up rules that were there for um, the girl's benefit. They were pretty selfish. And they were they're really about him. And, um, and it, it, But God's rules bring life. There's not selfish motives in there that just benefit him. The Sabbath was given for renewal. And for restoration. And we're, we, too, are not to load other people up with unnecessary burdens. We can awful, off, oftentimes, like, why, how do we welcome people in? Do we require that they get their act together before they join us in church or something like that? That's not what the, the Jesus, the, the church is for the, the sick. And he's the doctor. And he welcomes us all in. And, um, in fact, the, uh, the Pharisees here were, I don't know, they almost seemed like joy stealers to me, Right? They're stealing the joy of the gift that was given, and they're loading it up instead of enjoying the gift. And at the end of it, they actually went and tried to take Jesus' life over it. They're like going to kill the messenger of the person that's bringing the gift. So not only is it light and does it bring life, it also, Jesus has the authority to actually give it. While we've been in Matthew, um, Pastor Tom and others have talked about the authority that Jesus has. And here, 
um, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And he demonstrates this authority by healing on the Sabbath. The Pharisees were trying to catch Jesus, right, on working on the Sabbath. And if you look at verse 8, he says, if he's Lord of the Sabbath, and then right after it, it says, he went on from there and entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? And so what does Jesus do? You see, according to the rabbinical, like the rules, you could only help somebody if it was in a life-threatening situation. Was this a life-threatening situation? No. I mean, really, Jesus could have waited until the next day, right? Um, and, but what does Jesus do? He heals him. He says, um, stretch out your hand. How cool is that, by the way? Just to be that guy standing there. The, the Pharisees are going to want to, like, use him. You know, like, oh, I'm going to catch Jesus. And this guy is standing there, and, um, and he gets, he doesn't even come to him and say, will you heal me? He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't do that. He gets put in the middle of this, and what does Jesus do? Jesus heals him and makes the other arm the same as his, as his good one, makes it healthy. So why does Jesus do that? And I think Jesus does that in part um, to establish his authority and to show that he is truly Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus knows what that, the gift of the Sabbath was really intended to be. And, and, and he came with that authority to make it right. And he did. Well, we have talked about who's invited to rest in Jesus and also um, why we can rest in Jesus. And the next question is, is how do we do it? Well, it's, it's, it's three things, right? It's stop, start, and enjoy. Pretty, pretty simple there. Um, the first one is stop working, okay? Um, the Sabbath means to cease, to stop, and I don't know what's, in some ways, why that would be so hard, but we have a tendency to not want to stop working. And sometimes we're tempted to work, you know, seven days a week. Um, I'm not sure if that's for the God of success or uh, the, the God of power, um, the fear that we're just not going to have enough. But you know what? We're not God. And let's stop and let's worship him. Yes, there are seasons when we have to put in longer days and longer hours, right? There are. And there's also, we have a responsibility to take care of our families. But often it's an issue of, of faith. We tend not to trust that God will provide we wonder if God is good and is really going to give us good things. We try to um, take things into our own hands and make sure that we're, that we're comfortable and that we um, are taken care of well. And so we sometimes don't rest um, at all or rest on the Sabbath day. I ran um, a marathon once, um, and that was, that was right out of college. Um, my youth pastor, who I thought was kind of old and other things, anyway, um, he said, um, if I run a, a marathon, would you run with me? <laughs> I said, sure, if he runs, I can do that. Um, so I said, yeah, I'll do that. Um, the problem is I didn't really train for it. I was in shape. I ran cross country in college, so I was in shape, but I never ran much more than like 12 miles ever. And so um, he said, let's go, and so I'm, I'm in, and I'm kind of confident. Um, I, I was, 26.2 uh, is far, and uh, that... That um, I re I was it took me it took me weeks to recover from that because I did not stick to any kind of training regiment um, again you know rules right but anyway I was like I don't need that 
Um, and um, next time I run a marathon or any time we, you know, want to train for a small triathlon or something, I will follow that. And the one thing that all of those have in common is what? It has a, a day of rest built into those. You don't just run every day to get in shape for it. Your body um, and mind require rest. It's just built in. Um, people get it. The, the people that train like that get it. You don't just work out every day, you know, solid, you know, to do that. Um, farmers let fields rest. Um, machines just can't eat. A lot of times they can't just keep on going. They, they oftentimes need a rest. Um, it's hard, but we all do need to, to stop and take a day off. Do you? What's your weekly pattern? What does it look like? Um, just consider. Consider accepting that gift of the Sabbath day and, and, and stop. But I'll, not only are we to stop, but we're also um, encouraged to start and start doing acts of mercy. So if you look at verse 11, it says, he said to them, Watch, one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Um, not sure if any of you all have sheep. <clears throat> I had two growing up. I lived on a farm for a while. Um, I never had one fall in a pit and, uh, and, and not on the Sabbath either. Um, but you get probably get the point, right, um, that it is still good to do good on the Sabbath. And if we were to have that such sheep in a pit, we would, you know, bring it out. How much more to help people. And um, I think we're encouraged to do good and to do good even on the Sabbath day. Uh, um, I've gotten to know Catherine Shaw and seeing a lot of her work um, with the homeless. You guys, um, I hear about so much mercy ministry that's, that's in this church. It's phenomenal with 2028. And I went on Homes of Hope. We got a chance to build a house. Not only that, but we, on the day, on the Sabbath day, we got a chance to hand the keys over to somebody. I think that, that felt so right. Not just felt right, it, it just was. It was right. And it was good. And um, so really it's just where, where is those acts of mercy showing up in your life? It doesn't have to be, you know, handing over a house. That's fun. That's not all the time, though. What does it look like, though, for you to, um, to give mercy to your kids, uh, to, to the poor, to, to your neighbors? Just where, does, just where does that show up? And I just think that's a good question to just to be thinking about um, because it is good to do good on the Sabbath, and we're not breaking God's law on that. And, and finally on that, um, and how, how do we, how do we rest in, in Jesus? Um, the last one is by enjoying um, the results of, of your work, of God's work. Um, you see, God stopped and enjoyed what he had made. Tim Keller said, in the Bible, Sabbath rest means to cease regularly from and to enjoy the results of your work. I don't really think I ever really thought of it that way. I always heard, you need to rest on the Sabbath day, and God rested, and, and so we had all the you know, the blue laws and all the things that made you just stop. I didn't really see, didn't really think about, you know, God, he didn't need to really rest. Um, he did, but, but what he did was, part of what he was doing was enjoying what he made. And it was good. In fact, it was very good. And he got a chance to enjoy it. And I think that um, that concept, it's how cool is it that we can stop and enjoy what God is doing, what God is doing through us, through the work week, to stop and to look at it and to enjoy and to give him glory for what he is doing. So we looked at the answers to the first um, three questions of who and why and how. And the answer um, in the last, the last question that we have 
is when. When can we rest in Jesus? And the answer to that is, you know, today, right? Um, and forever. Today, yes, today is Sunday, um, and the historical day of the Sabbath for, for us um, after the resurrection is Sunday to, to rest. Um, but the principle really is there that we take one day. Um, I take Fridays off, and I think that is good. Um, but every day, um, Jesus expands this principle of not just one day, but that we would continue to rest in him every day of our lives. Um, and that's not saying that you get a chance, that you don't have to work, right? You know, you take every day as a Sabbath day. Oh, Sabbath, I need to take every day off. That's not what it's talking about. But it is talking about what does the pattern look like for us to, um, to rest in him and to, to rest in him daily. That, that kind of lifestyle looks different. St. Augustine said, because God has made us for himself, our hearts are restless until they rest in him. I think that's really true. What would it look like in your life um, and my life if we just rested in him? I think I might get better sleep, <laughs> right? Uh, my calendar might change a little bit. Uh, my anxiety could go down. Uh, I might have to give up some control on a few things. Um, speaking of sleep, I think that is really an interesting concept, right? Just sleep. That, that every day for, I don't know, how many hours of sleep do you get, Right? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't know. Eleven. I don't know. But however many hours of sleep you get, that that we we go to sleep and guess what? The world keeps going on. I, in Psalm one twenty one, it says, "I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. And He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. So God doesn't sleep. Indeed, He who watches over Israel will neither sleep." nor slumber. In, indeed, he who watches over Israel, um, well, let me go back, verse 5, the, the Lord watches over you, the Lord is your shade and your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm, and he will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forever. I put this quote in, in your, I think in your bulletin as well. Um, from John Piper, it says, um, sleep is a parable that God is God and we are mere men. God handles the world quite nicely while the hemisphere, while hemisphere sleeps. Sleep is like a broken record that, that comes around with the same message every day. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. And he says, don't let the lesson be lost on you. God wants wants to be trusted, and, is, and as the great worker who never tires and never sleeps, he is not merely so impressed with our late nights and early mornings as he is with peaceful trust that casts all anxiety on him and sleeps. I just thought that was great, just to sit in that and to rest in that, and God gives us that reminder of that kind of rest and his sovereignty daily. And I think we need that. I know that I need that. So we can rest in him today and every day, and actually, we'll rest in him for all eternity. One day, we will be with Jesus for eternity, for eternal rest. There'll be no more death, no more sadness, no more illness, no more fear, no more loneliness. It's more than just a bunch of um, rules and a list of rules. I know that there's um, 21 Egyptians that have entered that rest. We have um, little Finn, 
who has entered that eternal rest. And for us, let's live today in light of that, in light of that perfect rest that we will have for all eternity with our Savior, Jesus. And something that we can do this week is even to um, identify the different idols in our life that keep us from that rest. Lent is a good time, right, to draw our focus more on and clearly on Jesus and to go to him in our need. So in conclusion, um, entering God's rest is not as much of a rule as it is a gift to us. As my understanding of the character of God, right, has, even as he continues to mature uh, my thinking, that, you know what, God's laws are for our benefit. It doesn't save us, we can't keep them, but they are for our benefit and they are good. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, right? He came to, to fulfill it. So who is invited to rest in Jesus? Well, all, all of us, all who are weary. Why can we rest in Jesus? It's because Jesus gave us the gift of rest. How do we, how do, we do it? How do we rest in Jesus? By stopping work, um, by starting acts of mercy, and by enjoying the works of his hands. And when do we rest in Jesus? We rest today and forever. Paul Tripp said, I have rest today, not because I am righteous and wise, but because grace, by the grace, Jesus has become my righteousness, my wisdom, and redemption. So, this afternoon, let's go bowling. Let's everyone enjoy each other and our time together. Let's play together as, as a church family. And if I slip and fall down, <laughs> you can pick me up. <laughs> let's pray. Father, I so often um, run away from this passage, from this concept, from, from you. I'm just running. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to stop, to pause, to be able to focus on, on you, to worship you, to give you the worth that you deserve. Father, thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you for your grace. Um, I thank you that we really truly can rest in you. Jesus, our Savior, now and forever. In your name we pray.